Hello, bookers. Welcome to What the Book. This is where we discuss all things writing, all things indie authors, all things writing community. Your hosts are myself, international best-selling author, Sintra Sullivan. I have the supremely talented horror author, Kay Banning-Callum, and the phenomenally creative, epic fantasy author, David Atherton-Cooper with me. Hi, Caleb. Hi, David. Hi, Sintra. How are you? Good, thank you. Hi, guys. Good to see you. Hello. Ah, thanks for joining us this week, as we always do together. Um, this week, I am particularly excited about the subject matter because it's reviews. Now, as an indie author, we love reviews and we hate reviews because sooner or later, you're going to get a bad one. And when you get that first bad one, it's like the entire world has stopped and you don't know what to do anymore. Um, so what I want to do is now I've had, I went looking through my reviews actually right from, right across from, uh, fa- uh, sorry, from Amazon right through to Goodreads. Now Goodreads is really known for being uh, a debated place for um, reviews because it's very, yeah, it's very open with its review system, and you can you can get uh, trolled quite well in in Goodreads. I've had a lot of people have bad experiences. Personally, I've never had a bad experience in Goodreads, but I know a lot of authors who have, so it can be a bit hit and miss. But I went looking across right because I wanted to go find my bad reviews to start off with because I thought, hey, let's start with shining the torch on me, as you do, right? So over the the span of the Amazon and Goodreads, I have like 1,500-odd reviews-ish, something like that, and it's about five one-stars. I thought, that's not too shabby, not too shabby. But out of those those five one-stars, I wanted to find one that told me something really bad, and they were all just five star didn't like it five star nothing to it like there was no wordage to it apart from one and this was for my very first book this was my very first one star ever that said did not finish horrible writing I was fooled by all the positive ratings I was heartbroken I remember the feeling when I read it I was absolutely heartbroken (laughs) I think I might have cried so how do you deal with that how do you cope with someone who just hates it I had some very good advice that went, suck it up, princess. This is the life of writing. Get on with the job. Simple. It's not much yeah, I mean, of- I think it's just kind of part of the process. I mean, um, you know, and, and of course, you know, it's pretty different now than it used to be with the independent authors and everything. I mean, you know, back then uh, in the old days, I'm sure, you know, a lot of writers never even talked. They just waited for, you know, uh, literary magazines and things like that to kind of summarize reviews and write them up that way. Now we're so damned, kind of just directly plugged in with the readers to where we're even being exposed to this. I think that's healthy and unhealthy at the same time. It depends on how you take it, I think. Uh, Reviews to me are very much about readers. Reviews aren't for writers. Um, I very rarely look at reviews, which is why I was quite surprised. When I was reading them, because I'm like, oh, okay, because I don't, I don't read reviews. Then they, they are there for other readers to read. 
they're not judgments of me personally, in my view. Some readers, some writers will take it differently, I guess. I don't know how you two take it. I've, I've, been, I've been good and bad with it, I suppose. Taking your reviews? I've, I've definitely responded poorly to reviews in the past, um, and I regret that. That's never like something that I look back on and go, man, I, was, I really covered myself in glory with that interaction. But no, I have fallen, I've fallen into that pit before where I have responded to my own negative reviews. And um, the typical advice I give most people is don't do it. You know, just like take my word for it. It does not end well for the writer. But sometimes people strike a nerve and I just kind of uh, just kind of fell into it. That's a golden rule break, that one. Absolutely. Never respond. Never, never, never respond to a bad review. Ever. Ever. <laughs> I don't think I could stress that enough to any new authors. Never. Never, never, never. But as you said, sometimes they just strike a nerve and you just have to respond it's it's an instinct thing i think sometimes yeah it was a lack of experience thing on my part i think it was when i was newer you know it's writing but uh i've learned from it and i would definitely tell people don't do it and let me tell you why and i give my own i give my own you know experience so i think that's sometimes where the the goodreads thing can come into it too the trolling on that one is responding in in goodreads do you do you have a goodreads account caleb I do. And do you, David? I do. It, uh, ever since we interviewed uh, Rebecca Ridge, oh, yeah. I took up a Goodreads account and rated her uh, free ebook that I downloaded. Oh, good. Listeners, let's all get on our Goodreads and start following each other. Awesome. Now, I want to read out a review. I went looking for some very big, very big books. So we're looking at books that are not. These are authors that have made millions. These are books that have been made into franchises. They're movies. They're huge. So we're talking massive, big authors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see. Let's see if you can um, guess which book this is. Are you ready? Ready. Go for okay. It. All right. The title says one star. Not worth your time. It's time for this author to fade away. What he wrote was, the worst garbage I've ever read. Boring long scenes drawn out to fill pages, along with characters that are well-drawn, but they're not interesting. And although the book is well-written, the plot is ridiculous and the novel overall way too long for such a simple story. You want to guess which book that's about? Mm. Oh, man, I don't know the dark power. I have picked books that you guys will know. And we have talked about before. So I'm going to, uh, so well-drawn characters don't really care about the long scenes. I'm going to guess that's possibly one of the Game of Thrones. Nope. Not Game uh, of I, guess, okay. I guess the Dark Tower. I don't know if that's right or not. No, this is Stephen King. It. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I had the right author. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got the <laughs> the worst garbage I've ever written, uh, that they've ever read. It's like, oh my goodness. Um, then it went on to, to, like, it went into another, because what I wanted to prove is that no matter where we stand in our writing journey, whether we're just starting out, whether we're 10 books down, whether we're 50 books down, whether we're multi-millionaire successes, it, it's all the same. We all get the same 
one-star reviews sooner or later. So I wanted to emphasise that with this particular podcast for our for our author listeners that take heart. It, it happens to every single one of us. So this one, which was also it, I love it, is, is this child pornography? I love this one. This just cracked me up. I had to read it out. Can you go to jail for having this on your Kindle library? Are they serious? <laughs> yeah, well, that definitely touched a nerve with her. <laughs> a, a, a long multi-page description of preteen girls putting a train with a blow-by-blow description and how it feels is, hang on, they're not very well with their, their English, is something that I wouldn't want to get caught with. I'm deleting this from my Kindle library before I'm arrested. What the hell? Oh, but hey, there's no such thing as bad press. People, someone might read that and go, hey, that's the book. Probably not the people you I was going to say, I don't know if that's, the, I don't know hey, if that's the kind of would... customer base you would want behind it. Like... <laughs> No, no. One more for it. One more. And I mean, I love it. I love the movie. I love the books. Yes, it has some taboo subjects in it. We discussed that before. But, you know, there's a place for everything. This was another one. So very sick and twisted. Uh, I don't know where they were going to have 10-year-olds having an orgy. I'm so disgusted. I think Stephen King needs a mental evaluation. Now, that's harsh. These are these are harsh reviews that I've pulled up, and I am going to laugh at them because Stephen King really doesn't give a shit about any of this. <laughs> I don't think he needs a mental evaluation. The man is a genius when it comes to writing. Am I right, Caleb? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Stephen King is my favorite, so you know, you know, I can't say too much bad about the guy. Well, this is why I chose his book because I thought that you would get a kick out of those sorts of reviews for him. <laughs> Now, so here's one more. Radio. This one, let's see if we can guess what this one will be. Right? So it's one star. Different author, different book completely, but massive, massive success. Mills and Boone meets porn. One star. (laughs) Porn is available if you want it on the internet. I guess some women have to get not have not got involved in porn, so this seems to like scandalous fun. I found it depressing and disgusting. It turns um, it turns out to be about a relationship uh, that is that is um, borderline controlling, but it seems to be popular. This, Anybody want to guess on that one? This is Fifty Shades of Dull, isn't it? <laughs> it is Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, got it. It's Twilight for Grown Ups. <laughs> Anybody like Fifty Shades of Grey? I watched the movies. That's about it. I don't think I read the books. <laughs> it was on every Kindle on the train as I was commuting for about a year. I didn't I I did see one or two guys reading it, but it was Everyone was hunched over, looking embarrassed, but definitely flicking through the pages. Uh, yeah, it was really popular. Oh, absolutely! But then there's this review: same book, worst writer of all our of worst writer of our time. That's a massive statement to make as a, a reviewer. Worst writer of our time. They go on to say this book is only setting well and has achieved high ratings on Amazon for one reason: sex. Well, we all know sex sells, so can't begrudge that. 
I mean, especially in the erotica genre, Jesus, who would expect there to be sex in there? Exactly. (laughs) Then she says, she goes on to say, it's not even good sex. Well, not in my experience. Maybe I need to teach her how to do it properly. (laughs) I say, what now? (laughs) This just cracks me up. Um, I get the feeling that it's only got five-star ratings because of the desperate housewives that are reading it. Okay. Harsh, yes? Very. Right. Well, especially since it, like, kind of, you know, like, makes a straw man out of the fan base for it, too. Like, that's insulting to the author and the readers. Like, oh, you must be a desperate housewife if you read this. Like, well, that's mighty fucking pretentious of you there, reviewer. Absolutely. And to as a, as an author, okay, so no matter how big you are or how small you are, how do you cope with it? When you get on to check your reviews and you see a title that says worst writer of our time, how do you cope with that? I don't think you do. See, that's a- I just think you don't look at them like you said. Just ignore it? Yeah, it's probably a. I think you. I think you'd have to ignore it. I mean, it, it's got a. It, it's got to hurt that someone who doesn't know you is is trying to judge you by a, a piece of work, which but they're making it personal, which yeah, people seem to do. So, at the end of the day, you've got to just ignore it and move on. But yeah, that one's pretty harsh. I thought it was pretty harsh. And what I wanted to suggest that, well, it's probably, I mean, it's harsher than than most reviews that we'd ever see, really. And uh, I guess sometimes the bigger the author, the more scathing some or reviewers can be because they, they come from more of a point of jealousy than what they do actually analysing the book per se. Um. I don't know. I don't know if I would handle worst writer of all our time. Oh, I'd probably put it on a book, like on a T-shirt and wear it around, but then I'm a weird person. <laughs> get get cups made with it or something like that. <laughs> oh, well, look, even the beautiful poetry of Donald Trump gets a few one-star <laughs> reviews. So, yeah, so surely this guy is not the worst writer of all time. That, that, that's pretty hard. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, here's another book. One more. One more. Are you ready for it? Ready. All right. Let's, let's see if you can guess what this, this book will be. It's a one star. It says beef. Can't tell you what the beef is because it will give it away. Beef is an unlikable flop. This is tedious, repetitive, and I wish I'd never spent money on it. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> Oh, but but how many could that? <laughs> I know that's that is. <laughs> I know I just left it wide open for all of you. All right, let me give you a hint. Um, okay. They made they this author made uh, multiple covers to both cater for the junior section reading and the adult section reading, even though it was the same books. The Hunger Games. Oh, that has I don't to. Know. Be. No. Oh no, Harry Potter. That's got to be one of the Harry, Harry Potter. Books. Yep. So to this, oh, they were very divisive. So to this, this reviewer, Harry was an unlikable flop. He was tedious, repetitive, and she wished she'd never spent money on it. 
She probably bought every single one of the books, though. <laughs> yes, probably. I will probably go through and see whether her name pops up on it Now, I talk about talk about clever marketing with, with J.K. Rowling with that one, having to do the like doing the two different covers so that adults could read them on the train without looking like they were reading a children's book. But again, it's another author who's not exactly crying in her Wheaties every morning because she got a one-star review. I don't know. Very true. And I think that's all of us now, you know, I mean, I, I honestly think the, the higher you get on the echelon there, the less connected you are with these little comments. And uh, it, it's just one of those things that I, I think when you get to the point where you can't hear it anymore, that's maybe one of the benchmarks that you are moving in the right direction. So as an author, okay, so if we're talking to the new authors, because as you just said, and it's a very good point, when you're looking at the big authors, they're not even looking at reviews. They've got, they don't have time. There's tens of thousands of reviews on their Amazons and, and their books. So they haven't got time to go look for that. Um, nor do they, they really care, I would imagine. Um, so for the, the little author, like all of us are, considered in the big ocean of writing, how do we handle it? What's your advice for the newbie author out there that's just got their first one-star review? Kayla? Well, I actually wrote a couple of articles about this very thing. And um, what it all boils down to at the end, as far as when you see a review that is just extremely vitriolic and it's, it's just nasty, you just got to ignore it. You just got to ignore it if they you know if, if there's something in there if it's a positive review i always say you know hey say thanks if you want to say i appreciate that glad you enjoyed it if, it, if it's a negative review but it's done so with positive intent you know then you can say hey thanks for taking the time i love the you know i love some of your points i appreciate you but eventually you do get to that point where you just know that this there's no positive intent at all involved when it's just somebody sitting there, you know, just with a rage boner, just like just clacking away at the keys because they're <laughs> so angry that they wasted their time on you. Then you just have to let that go. You have to ignore it. Just say nothing to it and just keep on going. Cause there's nothing they want you to respond. That's like best case scenario. They're like, Oh my God, I sure hope this guy sees this. <laughs> and if you respond to that, oh, my God, you have just made their day and they're going to lay into you. So ignore it. For God's sake, do not engage. And it's, that's got to be like dealing with trolls on the Twitter. Is they, as you say, they're just looking. They, they want to get a rise out of you. They want that reaction because then they're just going to let fly. So oh no, I can't speak from having had bad reviews in public because... Um, my stuff's not yet been published. But when I get feedback or in other walks of life, you get this stuff. And sometimes it's it's well-intentioned. So, you know, a good review for me is something that tells me how it made them feel and, and how I could do something differently next time. A bad review is one that just says, I didn't like it. And, and a really shitty review that says, you know, this guy is trash. He's a moron is that obvious red flashing light where if this was Twitter, you'd be hitting block. And maybe that's the way to deal with a bad review, is if it, if it winds you up and it touches a nerve, you mentally have to just hit block and say, yeah, great, they didn't like it. 
Next. Makes sense. Both very good advice. I look at it I look at it slightly differently in the fact that okay, so we're authors, yeah. What what do we want to achieve with our words? Now, in my view, with my words, I want to achieve a reaction. I want to achieve investment. I want to achieve somebody reading my books and feeling something about them. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if it's bad, I win. If it's good, I still win. If it's, if you know what I mean? So if they go, oh, my God, I spent two ninety nine on this piece of trash and blah, 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 and they give me a one star, you still spent the money. You still read my book. You were still invested enough in my characters that they gave you a reaction, albeit bad, and you left a review. You took time to leave a review. I win as a, as a writer. I can't determine somebody's reaction from my words, but to get a reaction is what I want. Yes, silence is, is nothing that doesn't tell you anything. But if someone does re- does react, good or bad, then then you've, you've exactly. touched them somehow. It's indifference that's the killer. It's when they read a book and they're not. It's just nothing. It's just like oh, whatever. They have that's a good no way to look at it. Sorry, Caleb. I'm saying that's a really good way to look at it, actually. Yeah. Well, indifference is the killer emotion. Out of every emotion, it's the one that will kill somebody's soul. As a writer, if you have no reaction from your reader, you're failing what you're doing. If you have a great reaction from your reader, awesome. That's great. You've connected. They love your books. They're on the same page as you. That's great. If they have a bad reaction and they come at you going, I hate the way you write, hate your characters, whatever, that's okay. That's great because you still reacted to my words. So I still connected with you. And that's how I get through reading, I mean, reading bad reviews, getting, especially when you hit like beta readers and they're reading your books in the worst possible, you know, phase one stage that you ever get. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense to you guys or not, but anyway, it's the way I make it. Um, I like it. I think it's very sound advice. Yeah. Yeah, well, hmm. I give sounded by sometimes, just a little bit. All right. So what we're going to do is I'm going, we're going to throw now to Abby. Abby is our uh, guest author today. So I'm excited for you guys to meet her and let her talk. And the guys and I will be back in a few minutes and we are going to talk handling good reviews as opposed to handling bad reviews because that can be just as tricky and just as big a landmine involved in that too. Okay, bookers, we'll be back in a minute. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, bookers. Welcome to What the Book podcast. Oh, it's author interview time, and this always gets my author juices flowing. Today, we are so excited to have uh, our a brilliant author from uh, Vancouver. I thought Toronto, but wasn't. Is Vancouver? <sighs> anyway, uh, Abby Simpson. Hi. Hi, Abby. Hi. How's it going, guys? 
good, thank you. I'm also joined by my talented co-host and epic fantasy author, David Atherton Cooper. Hi, David. Hi, how's your Saturday going? No, it's just Saturday, you know, as you do. Happy to be here talking to you lovely authors, which is what I live for, I swear. Now, one thing, before I start anything with Abby, now you guys, my listeners, our our bookers, our podcast, What the Bookers, should know Abby from Twitter on Abby the Tweet. She is hugely popular. I love her. And um, I'm excited to talk to Abby about her books. Also, I want to mention she is an award-winning. She won the Gestalt Media's monthly short story prompt and will be in their anthology at the end of the year. So congratulations, Abby. Thank you very much. That was very fun. That was good. How did you... What sort of short story did you have to do to um, enter that? Well, that one was a short short. That one was 3,000 words or less on a prompt word. Their prompt word for February was love. And so I ended up writing a story uh, where Cupid is in therapy. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really, I enjoyed writing it. I enjoyed how quickly it came out, like, it's it's so weird as a writer how you can spend um, days, weeks, months ruminating over like one scene, and this story came out of me in less than a day, and so it, it was it was a really fun story to write for me, and I'm really glad that people enjoyed it so much as well. I love the concept of Cupid in therapy. I love that. That is brilliant. The whole. The whole twist on taking a character that, you know, everybody knows and putting them in a position or in a, a scenario that, you know, a lot of us have to deal with in reality, but put Cupid there. I think that's epic. Well done. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Isn't it? It's, a, it's kind of like where a lot of us sort of got started in writing with like fan fiction and things like that. You know, you kind of take this character that you know, and yeah, you're putting them in this scenario that is maybe offbeat or different or in the case of fanfic it was romantic but well because I'm writing a story at the moment or a series at the moment where the reaper retires so I pull him out of his job and put him in a small town oh nice we love that sort of twist on things absolutely right like and the television show Lucifer kind of does the same sort of idea like the double anyway (laughs) We can't start on Lucifer. We're starting with you. Yes. Okay. Okay. So our first question that I want to ask you is what started you writing? Uh, Well, I mean, actually, the very first stories I ever wrote was in uh, grade one. We had to do journaling every day. And we could write about anything that we wanted. We're like five and six years old. And every single day in class, I would write like a continuing story about my friends. So, like, I would literally be telling their life story over maybe 30 different days, uh, and then I'd finish, and then I would tell the next friend's story. And so, at, like, grade one, this is the kind of stuff that I'm putting together, coming out of my brain. Um, And, yeah, like I mentioned a bit earlier, like, I was definitely writing fanfic uh, for probably way too many years. (laughs) I think a lot of us have done fanfic. David, have you ever done fanfic? Uh, sort of. I'm working up my take on uh, H.P. Lovecraft at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes, we we all go there. 
Yeah, we do. We just, we find inspiration from them too. You know, these people that we don't know, or we just sort of put a personality on sometimes. And it's, it's a good way to sort of get into writing a lot because you love these characters already. You know, you do. And a lot of the character development's done. So all you have to do is take an existing character that that has been created and extend them. Yes. That you wish them to be or a scenario that you wish them to be. It's a a great stepping stone, I think, for uh, new authors coming out. Absolutely. Yeah. Just and yeah, I remember as well the fan fiction community that just just kind of like what Twitter is now where, you know, you're meeting all of these writers and you're sharing these um, you're sharing this passion and you're sharing whether it was, you know, whatever you were writing fanfic about or writing in general, which is more what Twitter is now. Um, so that always kind of pushes you to write more and to maybe better yourself of what you were doing before. Um so I've actually been really grateful for that as well to kind of keep me writing and set me on this path as well. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's where you, that's how you got started. That's how you moved into all of this. So what uh, a sort of a theme, what we're, we're exploring uh, this week and, and recently is around the difficult stuff. So when you're writing, are there any, are there any topics that you'd find hard to write about or, or even that you would avoid? Honestly, um, there are definitely topics I would avoid. There are topics you avoid um, in certain moments as well, um, where you're not going to write about that right now. Uh, It's not the right time. You're not the right person, whatever. But the thing that I sort of settled on that, yeah, I would never write that would be self-help because honestly, what do I know? (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I could... It's something that I'm always cautious about when when people ask me advice or how tos or whatever, and I and I'm always adding, in my opinion, yes, that exactly. only works for me. I can only tell you what works for me. Try it, give it a whirl. If it doesn't work, look, no responsibility for any fuck ups coming from my my advice. Okay, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's just like, it's, yeah, that's not my forte, without a doubt. <laughs> Although I do love helping people. I do. I, I love it. And I and encourage people to come up and ask me if they think that I can uh, direct them or whatever. I am more than happy to share anything that I know, but it's straight out in my opinion. I am yeah. everyone. I am I. <laughs> exactly. Like you're getting you're getting advice that you're getting it from my perspective, so please remember that as well. Yeah, so this wouldn't go there. I'm no Tony Robbins, whatever. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, me neither. No, no. <laughs> yeah, everything comes with a disclaimer and a caveat. This yes, is a, exactly. Read the back first. <laughs> read the small print. I, I, I don't mean this. <laughs> well, this is what I really think. You should try it. Sure, but yeah, exactly. Okay, no responsibility. Okay, no responsibility. <laughs> Abby, what I want to know. Okay, so if you could speak to yourself, your writer self. 10 years ago what would you tell them take it seriously now um for you know writing is a dream career right so um you put it off and you work in the real world and 
it was just, you know, I do, I look back and I'm like, you know, why wasn't I writing more seriously when I was younger and actually trying to do um, so that's what I would have told myself do it now to seize the day yes exactly that's yeah, pretty cool I mm-hmm. agree and yet I wouldn't be writing what I'm writing now if I wasn't doing it now oh does that make sense? it does 100% like maybe maybe that stuff would have been awful <laughs> but like we we develop so much and yeah. so so you know all our rough edges get get uh, sandpapered off as we get older and we get a wisdom that you can't have in the youth it just it's just not there and I don't think I'd be able to write with the freedom that I do today ten years ago or twenty years ago yeah no I see that absolutely too so. You know, that that was a hard question for me. Like, how do I, it's hard because maybe, maybe this is when I'm ready to do it. So this yeah. is your time. It's your yeah. time. This is your time. I love it. <laughs> but for both of you, if yes. you'd actually, if you'd actually begun five years before or 10 years before, I'm sure at the risk that what any of us wrote 10 years ago was a bit gauche and perhaps not as worldly as we all thought we were 10 years ago mm-hmm. but then that extra boost of the the, the writing craft yes. i'm sure our voice develops with our experience and our our life experience but to have done those early failures even earlier might have where would you be today that could be amazing that's true yeah and that's the thing you don't know and so yeah 10 years ago i would have said do it now but yeah. Okay, so so we've got this this picture of um, a, an attractive lady author talking to her former self, yeah. her advice, and that that could be inspiration for a story. So the question I wanted to ask you actually was, generally, where do you find your inspiration for writing? Anywhere, anywhere. Honestly, um, I wrote a story at Halloween. Um, that was published in Vampcat Mag uh, at Vampcat Mag on Twitter, um, and that story came from a fiction I posted on Twitter, like one of those uh, one of the VSS three sixty five prompts, um, yeah. mm-hmm. single tweet stories, and it was written in first person about somebody who uh, owned a restaurant, a cannibal restaurant, and yeah. one of the commenters went off on me. For promoting a cannibal lifestyle. Awesome. And the whole story came from a VSS. Exactly. Like the story doesn't resemble um, the conversation this woman and I had, but it absolutely, the story grew 110% from that because there are a couple of people on Twitter that were like, eh, this could be a story. And then it just kind of became one. And that was actually another story I wrote fairly quickly. Um, but then another story that I'm struggling with right now. And that story was inspired by a guy I was forced to sit next to on a plane coming back from visiting family in Ontario over the holidays. So Ah. that was moving slower, but I'll find inspiration from anything. Fascinating. So is it just paying attention to what happens around you or or do these things just stand out? You don't have to go looking for them. Uh, Honestly, I do tend to like to, if somebody's having a loud conversation in public, I'm 
definitely going to listen because you're inviting me to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. talk to them about it. I'm just going to hear it. But so, yeah, I'll absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I do the same thing. <laughs> it's just like lean a little. Yeah, like, ah, yeah tell me more. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I'm sorry if that's bad. Uh, oh, they're talking but... loud enough for me to hear it. It's uh, they might as well be talking to me. Uh, it's not my fault. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm Im- I'm imagining the conversation about the cannibal restaurant, which oh. would be you. Uh, God, I feel awful. I won't. Ha- I won't let another man pass my lips. <laughs> she she was really upset about it, and when she finally, like, I kept telling her, like, this is fiction, you know. Um, and I kept telling her this is fiction. She kept saying, and she finally was like, there's a restaurant in LA that says they really do this. Like, this is a really bad thing to promote. And so, um, she was, she was fun. Oh, wow. She's in now. Okay. So the last question that I want to ask, and I like to ask this of every author, cause it, it's a curious tweak of mine, I guess. Uh, are you a pantser mm-hmm. or a plotter, Abby? Uh, I try and plot out chapters um, as I go, but only a few at a time really is how it works because then I'll start writing and it'll go somewhere else. Um, So I've never plotted out an entire novel ever in my life. Um, Everything and these stories will kind of come, the short stories will come from nowhere. So those you could probably say I pants a little bit um, sometimes, Um, but yeah, writing something longer definitely I try and have an idea where it'll go but it'll it'll almost always change maybe three chapters you don't know the end before you write the beginning uh not always no um I'll try and figure that one out pretty quickly um yeah just to get just to try and get the story there but sometimes the ending will entirely change um just based on something in the story where suddenly the ending suspense that I'm forcing it. Um, it's really don't have that down to a science at all. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add, David? I'm I'm kind of with Abby here. I, mean, I do this fusion of I would never sit down and think through a whole story before I try to write some of it and, and uh, develop some of the characters and know where they're going. But from from that initial idea, that'll probably get me halfway through, and then I've got to work out where it goes. Otherwise, I've just got loose threads and tangents all over the place. So I do like there to be a bit of a frame, roughly, where do I think this is going to end up? But again, like Abby said, sometimes one of your characters would do one of the you know some of the damnedest things, and you find you've gone in a completely different direction, but you ended a better ending mm-hmm. as you go through. So yeah, I'm a hybrid. Yeah. I'm a full-on pantser. I don't know what I'm doing from sentence to sentence. After. I don't know. I just I just sit in the side seat, awesome. side passenger seat of the car and do what I'm told. That's it. Nothing more. Uh. <laughs> That's awesome. No, that's fantastic. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Abby, for coming and talking to us on What the Book today. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I've been really excited to be here. This was your first interview, was it? Did I say it? It is. Your yes. first interview ever? First writer's interview ever. Oh, God, I popped your cherry. This is so exciting. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because now I'm looking at your little uh, – your 
you're Avi on the app here and you've got a bright red shirt on. So you pop my cherry with your bright red shirt. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you for turning up and talking to us on what the book. David, did you want to say anything before mm-hmm. we go? Cheers, Abby. Thanks for being fun. This has been great. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks, Sintra. You have a great night, Thank guys. Thank you. Now, remember, you can catch us on Twitter at uh, WCast. Check out our page. Tell us what you think. Look out for Abby the Tweet on the Twitster. Uh, she is fantastic and fun to follow. Lots of things to learn. Of course, Kung Fu Ponder is David and Sintra Sullivan, me. I will look forward to seeing you all next week for another author interview. Thanks for joining us, bookers. Bye. Bye. Welcome back, bookers. Wasn't that an awesome author interview? Abby the Treat is fantastic. Make sure you check her out on Twitter at Abby the Treat. She is deliciously delectable and I love everything about her. All right, so you've got me back again, Cynthia Sullivan. We've got Kay Benning-Callum, horror author extraordinaire. Hey, Caleb. Hey, hey. And our epic fantasy author, David Atherton-Cooper. Hey, David. Hey, how's it going? All right, so we're all back on track again. We're talking reviews still. We've discussed bad reviews and how to handle that. Now, we're going to discuss good reviews and how to handle that because – even though they are glorious and being told that we're the next Stephen King or we're the next J.K. Rowling or we're the next um, J.R. Ward, which is an author that I adore, uh, letting those sorts of comments go to your head can be just as dangerous as letting one-star reviews go to your heart. What do you think? Boys, I will say. Oh, go ahead, David. I I went first last time. You got this one. Oh, just as I said, this is um, when you get good feedback, um, as opposed to when you get bad. So whether it's a public review or not, there's always that tendency to kind of go, "Ooh, <laughs> they like it." That's bad, and and you feel good. And then for me, there's that bit afterwards where, unless there's some meat to the to the review, it's just empty. And it doesn't help me and it doesn't guide me and help me you know, do good things in future. So um, it, it's like just getting a like on Twitter when you post something. A like is great. It's lovely. But then if someone actually takes the time to respond or reply and says something, that's when it gets well, it's good. But I could have 30 or 40 likes off of a, of a Twitter post and it doesn't actually mean anything. That doesn't help me be a better writer. So it, it's a little more than like just laugh off the bad ones and move on. The good ones are, are trying to tell you something, but it, it's kind of like I, I want to know more. I want to know not that somebody liked my stuff because that's really nice to hear, but I'd really like to know why or in what way they liked it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Caleb? I mean, with me, I love good reviews. And listen, I mean, I am, you know, somebody who I can never get enough of them. I love it. I love it. Send them to me if you got them. From a, I think from a comment, and this is the big thing, there's a difference between a comment and a review. And, you know, from a comment perspective, I love it and I appreciate it. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't just like adore 
getting those positive reviews. I love them, and I can never say anything bad about them. They make me feel good. They make me feel good all day. But as far as when you want that kind of review of, okay, tell me why you liked it. Tell me what I did right. Yeah, there is a huge difference between somebody reviewing it and just saying, I loved it. This was great. Buy it versus, you know, kind of a comprehensive, here's what you did right and here's what others will see in it. Absolutely. I think there's a difference there. They both feel great and I will never say anything bad about either of them. But yeah, there is a huge difference between, you know, one of them's like winning a free drink at McDonald's and the other one is like winning, you know, a million dollars on the scratch off at McDonald's. Yeah, there's a huge difference there, but they both feel good. They're both from a good place. But, but would, and actually, sorry, a question from me to, to either of you. Would you actually acknowledge a good review? Because with a bad review, we were saying, don't, just let them stew. But with a good review, would you actually acknowledge it, respond to them? I do. I tend to say thank you. If that's all, if that's the most I can muster is like, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Then I will try and do that. Um, but yeah, I, I acknowledge the good ones. Hmm. Me, I, um, I, I, oh, I don't acknowledge reviews, uh, good or bad. Um, I, I, that's hard. It's a hard thing for me to talk about because I self depreciate. So when somebody says to me, God, I love the way you write and the imagery that you have and you create these amazing mind images and, and oh, I've drawn this picture of, I had this where this woman drew me a picture of me as a dragon princess, that how she related to my dragon series. And I've just gone, wow, for one thing. But immediately... I self-depreciate and go, oh, no, I'm not that good. I'm, I'm just – and I, it's a really bad habit of mine. And I, um, I'm really trying to curb out what I do. And I, and I try a lot in VSSs when somebody says that's a really good write or I love the words or they're powerful or whatever, to just to say thank you just about kills me. Not because I'm not thankful. I am thankful. Please, listeners, don't ever think that I'm not thankful – but I self depreciate my myself um, before. Mm. I don't know what it's. Oh, nice, no, probably a history issue, but still. So I am trying to to not do that. Well, I mean, uh, I I self deprecate as well, but there's a big difference between self deprecating and self effacing. And I don't self efface at all. Like I, I don't, I tell people not to self-efface. I say, I always say that's one of the worst qualities. If somebody asks me to read their work or whatever, and it comes across in, the, in that self-effacing kind of way, I'm probably not going to. Self-deprecating though is more sarcastic. It's more self-aware, you know, and I find that with self-deprecating, you can kind of brag without falling into that really shitty, humble bragging mentality that people do. You know, like uh, if I'm promoting my anthology, I can say, hey, here's 12 reasons why you shouldn't read my work, but read them anyway. And that to me is more <laughs> self-deprecating, whereas self-effacing would be more like, hey, there's so many better authors out there. But if you're feeling, you know, if you're feeling like you got 99 cents to drop on the Kindle version, go for it. You know, there's a big difference there to me. And, and I find that self-deprecating fits kind of that sarcastic kind of mentality in mind. 
Well, so like me at the moment doing my save a toilet paper roll and buy my book instead. <laughs> exactly. That that falls more into self-deprecating. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. You know, that's fine. To me, that's what I can do that more uh, more than that whole like, oh, I'm really new, so check this out if you'd be so kind. That's the kind of thing that's gonna turn me off more than the toilet paper comment. I just say it saves two birds with one stone. You can't get toilet paper. You can still get my book. It's still there. It's all good. It does my jobs. Move on. <laughs> exactly. So what happens then? Because I have seen it uh, with some authors where um, they let the words go to their head. So suddenly uh, oh, there's, it's a, there's a fine line between self-belief and we should all believe in our words and we should all believe in our books and we should all believe in our talent, which we do. Yeah. The three of us absolutely do. Oh yeah. Of course. We've had no debate with that at all. Yeah. Um, but you, you can't then it, it's, it's seductive to then let it go to the next stage. And if you get a lot of positive reinforcement telling you a certain thing, it's hard. It's hard to then stay with, well, actually, no, I, I didn't think that was great. And someone says, Oh no, no, it's brilliant. You end, you end up surely leaving things in or, or putting things in that aren't really you anymore. Exactly. And this is why when I'm writing, I'm very specific about having a number of different beta readers from different socioeconomics, from different genre, uh, from different backgrounds, from different genders, different age groups, because, and people who will so not kiss my ass. If it is crap, they're going to go, Sintra, I have no idea where the hell you're going with this. I'm not connecting. So then I can go, or the opposite, of course, of, you know, Sintra, this is great. I love it. Keep going. That's great. But if I have all 10 of them going, Sintra, this is great. Keep going. I've got nothing to build on. Because I know it's not great yet. It's only first draft. It can't be great. It's only first draft. You know? Yeah, so you, you, the diversity of opinion is definitely something um, I'm learning about. I have a few people who uh, have been good enough to look at my stuff and that I trust. But out of those, they each have a very different voice. And, and I think, again, if they, uh, if they all, n- none of them would say, oh, it's fabulous. You know, none of them gush or really go overboard. They're all quite happy to give me a ding around the back of my head with like, this was good, but... And you kind of need that healthy mix. It can't all be one voice or, or you lose it. Absolutely. Caleb, do you have beta readers? Yeah, I have. Um, you know, I have definitely some people that have been working with me for a very long time, like my best friend, Mike Rucker, who I've talked about many times. Um, he is one of the best compasses I have out there because he is extremely, you know, we're, we're great friends in real life. We've known each other forever. And when he'll sit there and say, dude, that ain't working. Like, you know, that's very truthful because this is somebody who has more reason to want to spare my feelings than not. So I can always look at that and go, wow, you know, if he's saying I don't like this, then that is somebody who would naturally want to probably try to make you feel better because we're very close friends. Um, And I also have a lot of people within the writing community like that who, you know, we've kind of shared our journey together. And it's those people who I know have no reason to want to hurt me. You know, when when their when their natural leaning would be more towards making you feel good because you've been there for them and they've been there for you, and then where they can still come out and say, "Hey, this is not going to work. This is terrible. You know, this is awful." That's when you can go, yeah. "Wow!" You know, they're 
this is not just some stranger looking at it from a, you know, from a sterile perspective. You know, this is somebody who is honestly telling you probably the best information that you can hear. Absolutely. My, my beaters have been with me since my first book. Uh, so they're as invested in my future career as what I am, which is fantastic. And they also know that they work the same as what reviews do to me. There'll be some that go, oh, I get this right from the word go. Um, I'm, I'm connecting with the characters and this is, you know, I like it, blah, 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 blah. And then you'll get one or two that'll get sit there. And it happened with my, um, my murder, they wrote one, which I'm pitching. Uh, and it was, and I adore this particular beta reader because she came up to me and she said, Sintra, I, you've just sent me, you know, the first three chapters and I feel nothing for the first time ever reading your book. I feel nothing, no comment about any of these characters. And I've gone, oh, shit. <laughs> what? I said, okay. All right. Give me three more chapters. I'll give you three more chapters and see if it changes. All right. So I did. She came back and said, totally made it up, got it now. And, and it sort of, she said it, like all of the cards just fell into line. She just needed that one more chapter for it to all connect in her own head. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I can get that. But like reviews, you get, you know, people who will love it immediately and people who will not love it immediately. And that's all good. That's why we have those diversities. In theory. Well well, I think, you know, one thing I would say to reviewers out there, too, is if you take yourself seriously as a reviewer, um, and, and there's so much that goes into it. I mean, you have to ask yourself, is this solicited feedback? Is it unsolicited feedback? You know, things like that. But it also has to be actionable. And I see a lot of comments that come out there where it'll just say things like, this wasn't scary. Okay, what the hell do I do with that? You know, yeah, like that, that's absolutely. not an actionable review. It's not telling me anything. And I, and I think that once again comes back to when we talk about kind of knowing the ones to respond to, the ones not to respond to, the ones to, you know, look deeper into. It has to have something actionable in there, you know, something that the author can look at and go, okay, this is something I can change. Whether than just saying, hey, this just didn't do it for me. Sorry. Well, that's once again, that's not really a review as much as just an opinion. Okay. So we've divided up our reviews now into actionable reviews ones that as a writer we can go okay we can work on that if they didn't like that or we can continue doing that because that seemed to really work with those readers as opposed to a straight comment three star didn't like it right. one star don't like it you know five star loved it buy it there's nothing more to it even though they're, they're all reviews and they all count as far as from a writer's point of view uh, it would be better to, if you are going to be reading reviews and reacting to them, to be reacting to the ones that are actionable. Absolutely. Yes? Yeah, because you got to know what to do with it. Great. Oh, definitely. It, it's like the old um, what, why, how. So if someone tells me I don't like it, okay, that's what. Or, or, or I do like it, great, that's a what. But if they can tell me why they do or don't like it, well, that's better. And if they can tell me how... I might have done it differently uh, together with why they thought it was good or bad, th then I can do something about that. And I might, obviously I can't with what's been published, it's out there. So 
a review of a published work. I think Zintra goes back to your, your comment earlier on. A review really is not for the author. It's for the reader. Absolutely. It's, it's so that readers can look down a list and see that the beautiful poetry of Donald Trump has got more five-star reviews than one-star reviews, so it possibly is worth reading. God knows why. Um, <laughs> and good. Um, but, it, but it doesn't tell the guy who wrote it, who took Trump's tweets and mangled them up and made a book out of them, it doesn't tell him much at all, because he's done it. Yeah. So the only, the only action there that he could take is if he was planning the beautiful poetry of Kim Jong-un, then he might write it slightly differently based on the reviews of his first one. Sure. Um, Neither book but, I really want to read, but go on. <laughs> uh, you know, within, within, after enough tequila, either of those would probably be quite awesome, particularly his audiobooks. Uh, you could do a mashup of that that would just be quite insane. Uh, if there were reviews um, involved, absolutely. But then, but then so if, if a good review says something to a potential reader and makes them buy the book, that's fantastic. If a good review actually says something to the author that they might consider when they're doing another one, then that's gold. Okay, yes. let me ask you a question before we end this, both of you. Right. Um, Caleb, you can answer first. Uh, do you, when you're buying your books, uh, not your books as in the ones you've written, when you're going to go and buy a book to read, do you, in all honesty, read the reviews before you make your choices? No. no. I might look at how many stars it has, and I might do the little thing where it shows you, like, you know, one of the best ones and one of the worst ones. But, no, I'm not going to comb through, like, you know, a bunch of different reviews because at the end of the day, I'm probably going to disagree with most of the prominent opinions in there anyway and kind of form my own little paths. So, no, I mean, I might just look at the overall reviews and um, just to get an idea. But other than that, no. David, I'm with Caleb. I uh, I'm probably Amazon's nightmare because I tend to go to bookshops and leaf and I read maybe a bit of the blurb on the back. I'll look at the cover. I might just flick a quick skim of part of a chapter, but really from looking at the cover and reading the blurb, I've made my mind up. And then I might go to Amazon so I can get get it cheaper but even on amazon i'm interested in the, the blurb and the, the what they have said about the book than what 150 random people i've never met have said about it so See, I, no i don't really i don't read reviews i i, I flat out will i just I, I don't have time for that shit i am um, I, I look at covers i love covers i'm a cover whore i love a cover you can get me on a cover every day where i can just go oh, god i love the cover i'll read the book so it's cover first it's blurb second and it's by third. That's it. I do not bother with stars. I don't look at people's opinions because it's, uh, I want to know what it, I don't want somebody else to tell me because you run that risk. You read reviews, you get spoilers. Wrecks the whole story. That's I mean, true. Yeah. And it can you, you, don't want, you don't want the twist exposed to you. Pardon, Caleb? I was saying you can end up poisoning the entire experience that way. Exactly. And before you know it, you, you know what's going to happen before you even open the first page. So I don't tend to, no, nope. I don't read them for the books I purchase. I don't read them for myself. I'm a bad person, but I do review the ones I do write, read. So I'm not that bad. If I read your book, I will always review it every single time. 
Um, well, there's there's the thing because I'm I, I find I'm similar. I, if I read something and I enjoy it, I will talk about it on Twitter and I will sort of uh, post reviews where I can, and I'll tell my mates and and yeah, the classic word of mouth pass it on. So although like you, I, I don't choose a book by reading the reviews. I kind of like leaving reviews myself. That's that's that probably says something about me, but uh, I think it's good. I don't know where the irony is in us where we go. I don't read the reviews, but I'll leave one mm. <laughs> so somebody else can read it. But I don't want to read yours. <laughs> oh, it's so odd. Um, all right. Any last bit of advice, Caleb? Hey, um, like I always say, just do everything you do within positive intent. If you're going to review somebody's story, do so in positive intent. Don't try to just make it to where like, oh, I'm going to make sure nobody else ever buys this shit because that's not your place as a consumer. Your place as a consumer is to ask yourself, did I get what I paid for? And your place as a reviewer is to tell a little bit, tell a little story of your experience with it. But don't ever go in there and try to just lampoon somebody else's success. Positive intent in all we do. Love it. David? I kind of like the advice from earlier on. So if, it, if it's a good review and you like it and you've got the time, acknowledge it, say thank you. Maybe even ask them a little bit more about what they liked. If it's a bad one, but it seems to have that positive intent, acknowledge it and thank them. And if they're a troll, treat them like a troll, leave them under the bridge, go walk down another road. It's not your problem. Very good advice, boys. My advice is I just want a reaction out of my readers. Good, bad, or not indifferent. Good or bad. Yes, if you hate it, tell me you hate it. If you love it, tell me you love it. Just buy my book, invest yourself in it, and uh, react. That's all I want. Um. So this has been What the Book. Thank you for joining us on this week's journey. Please remember to like this podcast wherever you see us, whether it's Spotify or Apple or any of the other podcast platforms. You can reach each of us on Twitter, of course. I am at Cintra Sullivan. Um, Kay Benning Callum is at Kay at at oh, <laughs> Benning <laughs> Caleb, do you want to do your Twitter handle, yes. please? <laughs> is that is that Banning K nineteen seventy nine? Oh, thank you very much, David. Do you want to do your Twitter handle, please? And you can find me at Kung Fu Ponder. <laughs> and you can find any of us at WTB Podcast, uh, or of course our Gmail account is Pods What the Book at Gmail dot com. Please contact us, give us suggestions, tell us what you think, and react to us. This is Indie Authors for Indie Authors. Have a great weekend, guys. Good night. Good night and thanks.